0: to a very exciting episode of Just Another Fanboy. I'm your host Steven, and did I did I mention that this episode was going to be exciting because I mean I'm I'm super excited. I'm freaking pumped cuz today is the start, the first in a series of episodes in which I'm going to talk about my most favorite character and comic book in all of the world. I'm talking about Madman today, folks. See, back in April of 1994, I was working at this comic book store. It was my second job. My full-time job was an overnight gig. And so, in essence, I had my days free, except for when I was, of course, sleeping. But one of my my duties at the comic book store was on New Comic Book Day, I would leave the full-time job, get off in the morning whenever my shift ended. And then I would go to the comic book store on new comic book day and I would meet the UPS driver there who was dropping off the boxes full of new comics. And I'd unlock the store, I'd get the boxes inside and lock the store back up because we didn't open for another couple of hours. But I'd open up all the boxes, I'd go through the comics, I'd sort them, I'd pull the books for everybody's pull lists and then I would... Uh, I, we actually laid them out on the counter. We didn't put them on the shelves on New Comic Book Day. When folks came in on New Comic Book Day, there was one counter that would just have stacks of the new books. But one of those New Comic Book Days, I think they were on Tuesdays back then. Back in April of 94, I come across this book, this issue number one of a book called Madman Comics. And it was from... Dark Horse. And there was something about the cover that just drew me in. It was something about the artwork. It was very pop art, very stylistic pop art type of, well, art. It kind of reminded me a lot of the old comic book art from the 50s and 60s, but yet, I guess done better. You could almost say, I guess, I guess you could say that. It reminded me a lot, looking back at it now, when I look at the art, the the way Alred draws and and just I should probably get that out of the way. Madman was created by Mike Allred. He writes and he does the art and then his wife does the colors, which I think is pretty cool. But his art style is very reminiscent of CC Beck. I believe that's the guy's name. The the dude that used to do the the old school Captain Marvel Shazam books, the original guy when those first books came out. Anyway, this cover just freaking drew me in. One simply from the art style because that's what the cover is there. It's there to show you the art, I guess you can say. Uh, but there was something about this character, this, this madman character. The costume, the, the bright colors, the simplicity of it. And then he was also holding this gun. And the gun really drew my eye because it took me a moment until I realized that, that was, it was one of those old plastic disc guns These old toys I used to have when I was a kid. These toy plastic guns that shot discs. And so falling in love with this cover, I had to start opening it up and looking through the pages. And the rest was history. I started buying the comics monthly. I learned that there were earlier issues. There were two previous series that came out from a different publisher before it went to Dark Horse. And I hunted those down, going to various conventions and whatnot. And I just simply fell in love with the character. I fell in love with the book. I fell in love with the story. I fell in love with with everything about it. And I've been really nervous about these episodes. I've been wanting to do some episodes about Madman for a great long time because I am in such deep love. Very smitten. But I didn't want to screw it up. I didn't want to do it wrong. So I've been planning on what I was gonna do, what I was gonna talk about, how I was gonna put this first episode together. And I know that each episode, I'm gonna talk about one issue, starting with issue number one of the very first series. That's what we're gonna talk about in this episode today. But I couldn't quite decide if I wanted to give you a, just kind of a rundown on the character first, and then get into the book, or if you should be introduced to the character As we're going through the story and learning the various things about this character as they come up with as as they come up in the books. And in the end, I decided, eh, let's just let's just fill you in a bit on who the character is and then we'll get into the story itself. So Madman started his life as a man named Zane Townsend. There's there was there's not a lot known about Townsend, only that he was killed in a car accident. He was some kind of agent. We'll learn more about that later. He was then stitched back together and brought back to life by Dr. Egon Boyford and Dr. Gillespie Flem, Very mad scientist type guys. And when he was brought back to life, he didn't have any memories really of his previous life. He didn't remember much of anything when the when the issues started. We kind of learn this stuff as we go through the series, but... Because he doesn't remember anything, he doesn't remember who he is, he needs a name. So Dr. Boyford names him after his two biggest heroes, Frank Sinatra and Albert Einstein, and he gives him the name Frank Einstein, which of course is also a play on the name Frankenstein, who was a creature that was stitched together and brought back to life. Now, the process of bringing Frank back to life left him with Some super, some superpowers. He's got like superhuman agility and he's got some psychic powers. He can touch somebody and learn about their life or learn about a moment in their life, learn kind of what he needs to know about somebody. It doesn't always work. He can't really quite control it, but it's there. Now, Frank, everybody calls him Frank. Nobody the the book is called Madman and during the first series he is referred to at one point as the Madman of Snap City. That's where most of this takes place. Everybody just calls him Frank. Nobody calls him Madman. He's not he's not a typical superhero. It's not until later in the series, later later down the line that actual superheroes get introduced into this world that he lives in, but when we first meet Frank, it's it's not a superhero world and yet he wears this costume. And he's very self-conscious about the way he looks because he's kind of a bluish gray. You know, he was been, he's was brought back to life. He's kind of a bluish gray. He's got scars, he's been stitched together. He does look rather Frankenstein-y as far as just the uh just the way he was stitched together. He's not big with a flat top, he didn't, you know, none of that. But he doesn't look normal. So he wears this costume that is based on one of his really only true, clear memories. And it's the memory of his childhood hero, a comic book character by the name of Mr. Excitement. And Mr. Excitement had this insignia on his costume. And that's what Frank wears. That's what Frank has right on the front of his costume. It's an exclamation point that shaped like a lightning bolt, and so they call it the exclamation bolt. He carries around a satchel with him at times that carries a couple of his weapons. He has very quirky, unique, ginchy weapons that he carries with him. One is, well, the gun that we talked about. It's a a modified plastic toy disc gun, but the discs are razor sharp. He has a slingshot, and he has a Duncan yo-yo, that he's hollowed out and filled with lead that he uses to uh, smack people about the head. Now, the comic book is no longer being published. There are no longer new issues of Madman, but the books were published in four different series. The first series was just called Madman. It had just three issues in it. It came out back in 92 from Tundra, and it was black and white with shades of gray, or you could almost refer to the shades, more more of a blue. The second series was called Madman Adventures. It also came out from Tundra, and it was just three issues from 92 to 93. The third series was called Madman Comics. This is where I came into Madman. It was 20 issues. It was published from 94 to 2000 by Dark Horse Comics, and it had a tagline at the top. You know how the old... Fantastic Four Comics used to say the world's greatest comic magazine. Madman Comics said the world's snappiest comic magazine. The fourth series was called Madman Atomic Comics. It was 17 issues and it ran from 2007 to 2009 and it was published by Image Comics. So it was actually somewhere around the third series. I'll be honest with you. I'll I'll, I'll just full disclosure right here, right now. Regardless of the fact that I do consider Madman and these comics some of my absolute favorite stuff it's it's right up there probably in the top 5 if not the top 3 I've never completed reading all of the issues it was actually somewhere within the third series that I was not able to finish reading the books I started re- I started reading I got back into Madman with the fourth series because I was back to reading comics. See, I had stopped reading books during the third series. So I never completed reading that the, the Dark Horse run. And then I started getting back into comics when the fourth series started through Image. And I started to buy those, but never finished that run as well. So I'm kind of using this as an excuse to finally finish reading all those books. But we are gonna start from the beginning. And I'm really excited to get to this stuff that I haven't read yet. So, beyond these four series, there is also a number of specials and crossovers that they did at the time, especially after sometime during the third series when Madman started to get somewhat popular. And the one that always sticks out to me and and I actually just reread it not that long ago, and we will be talking about it as we get to that point during the third series when he crosses over with Superman with a uh, three-issue series called The Superman, Madman, Hullabaloo, and that came out in 1997. Now, Frank Einstein actually makes his first appearance in a book called Creatures of the Id, which I don't own, but it was just an eight-page story within that comic book, and I believe it was an issue number one. I don't know if they made any other issues, and I feel like it must have been an anthology comic, and you can get the story through Comicsology, the eight-page story for ninety-nine cents through Comicsology. I have, I have a hardcover. I have two different Madman collections. I have a hardcover called the Two Trilogies, which collects all of the 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 six Tundra books: the Madman one through three and the Madman Adventures one through three. And within that, they've reprinted the eight-page Frank Einstein story from creatures of the id and it doesn't he doesn't appear in costume this is apparently before mike allred had decided to put him into a costume but we do somewhat learn right there in the the first page of that eight page story that this is a guy that died in a car crash and a police officer took the body to dr boyford and the guy brought frank back to life We don't know the doctor's name. We don't know any. We don't even know that at this point that Doctor Flem was also involved. And we're going to meet all these folks as we go through the series. But we do learn during this eight-page story that Frank has these psychic powers because he is—he's basically going to this record store. He had special ordered, I think it was a Pixies album, and he keeps going in to see if it had arrived and the people that work there kind of brush him off and ignore him. They don't want him there because he looks weird because he's, you know, he's gray and stitched together. And he, uh, he contemplates using his psychic powers cause he has kind of an empath empathic ability. He kind of contemplates using that against them to make them see themselves as freaks. But in the end, the story is kind of just this nice little eight page story about not judging a book by its cover and then we get madman number 1 this came out in april of 92 from tundra and one of the great things about this original trilogy these three issues it has these the the artwork in the corner of each page of frank in costume dancing and if you flip through the book it's animated it's it's frank dancing animated and then it's it's on each side so you flip through the book on the one side and then you flip the book over and you flip through it again. And it's, it's really cool. It's really cool because it ends with Frank picking up a rock and throwing at you and it explodes there in the, in the corner of the book. It's really neat. It was a really good idea. And it's one of the, one of the things that just cements why I love this book so much. So in issue number one of Madman from 92, we open up with Frank. He's writing in his journal. He's He's contemplating life. He he he's he knows that he has died and he has been brought back, and he's he's trying to come to grips with that. He is in some kind of. It looks like you know how in a, in an apartment building, um, they'll have in in the big cities these big apartment buildings down in the basement. They'll have these storage areas that are kind of the 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 walls are made up of uh, like chain link fence. It looks like he's in something like that, um, but only like one or two of the walls is the chain link fence. And he's he's basically in just like an unfinished kind of room and he's sitting on a crate and he's writing in his journal and a couple of guys walk in, Arnie and Jake, they have guns with them and they're there to take him out. They work for a guy named Monstat, and apparently Frank... The backstory here is that Frank killed somebody that also worked for them, some guy named Polly, and now they're there because Mr. Montsat, as they say in the book, wants his head on a plate. Well, Frank goes on the offensive. He's got his Duncan yo-yo that's been hollowed out and it's full of lead, and he knocks Jake on the head with it and knocks him out, and Arnie tries to run away, but he slams into that chain link fencing, and Frank... Tells Arnie he's like, don't go anywhere. I want you to watch this. And he he crouches down, pulls up the top of his mask so his mouth is exposed, and he plucks out one of Jake's eyes and he eats it. Now, I should say here that this is not. First of all, it's not typical of a madman comic. It happens within the first few pages of the very first issue, but it's not. It doesn't end up being something. Madman is not necessarily a, a violent book. I feel like Alred kind of toyed with it there at the beginning, and then at some point decided, I don't really want to be I don't, I don't really want to write, you know, what is what is, in essence, a violent book. Madman, for all intents and purposes, could be considered an all ages book. I mean, even this scene here where he plucks out this guy's eye and he eats it. It's not graphic. They're more. They're, they, you know that that's what he's doing, but it's not a. It's not a graphic representation. So Arnie, of course, is freaking out over this, and then Frank goes over and he takes Arnie's head in his hands, and because he wants to, he needs to learn something about Mister Monstat. Monstat has something that Frank needs, and so here's where we see the first demonstration in this book of his psychic power, but really all we see is he's holding Fr- uh, Arnie's head in his hands and it's kind of like boing. And if he learns anything from this, they don't reveal it, but he tells Arnie to take his friend, dump him at the hospital and then get out of snap city and never come back. And after Arnie runs away, Frank vomits this eyeball up. And again, even that's not graphic. It's kind of, it's kind of shown in a, in a, in a silhouette. And he goes to this coffin freezer that's in in the room, or or what my grandma would have called a deep freeze. And he opens it up, and there's a body inside of it. And this is Doctor Boyford. And we get a flashback here, and we learn that Doctor Boyford was hit by a car, a hit and run. And Frank is there to witness it. And as he is dying, or or passing out, or slipping into a coma, Doctor Flem, or I'm sorry, Doctor Boyford. Tells Frank to freeze his body and to find this Doctor Flem. Frank's never met Doctor Flem. He tells Frank that Doctor Flem can bring him back, and it's very important because without Doctor Boyford, there will be no one to stop Monstat. So Monstat is more than just this guy that wants to kill Frank because Frank killed one of his men. So we continue with the flashback, and Boyford tells Frank that in order to find Doctor Flem, he has to get to Boyford's journals, because in his third journal, he will find the address to where Dr. Flem lives. And then he tells them that once he has that, he's to burn all of his journals. He says the, the journals can't get into the hands of Mondstadt. Monstat cannot learn his secrets. And so that's the end of the flashback. And Frank is now set off onto his mission. But before he can go on, before he can do any of this, he needs to go visit the love of his life, Josephine or Joe. Now, Joe is a regular in the book. At this point in the first issue, the first time we're introduced to her, Frank really comes off as quite the stalker here. He is going to her place. He climbs her trellis and he watches her through the window. He's got this feeling within him that he knows her, that they have a past. He's not quite sure what that's all about. He just knows that he is madly in love with her. We see kind of a fuzzy memory of Frank kissing her, but he doesn't have the costume on and he doesn't recognize himself in the memory. And so he continues to watch her through her window until she starts to get undressed. And that's when he realizes that what he's doing is really kind of creepy and not it's not a good thing. And so he falls from the trellis. Then he sets out on his mission. He, he breaks into Boyford's lab, which is in this, the, the fifth floor of this building. He finds the journals. He finds the one that he's looking for. He gets the address. He commits it to memory. And then he's about to destroy the journal. He's about to set it on fire when Monstat comes in. And with him is Arnie. Arnie, the guy that Frank told to leave Snap City. And Frank is very upset about it. And he yells at Arnie and calls him a welcher. So Mondstadt realizes that Frank, of course, is still alive, that Arnie didn't do what he was set out to do and decides to take the matter into his own hands. And he pulls a gun, automatic pistol, and he unloads, fires shot after shot at Frank. Frank is not that far. He's like maybe on the other side of the room, but he manages to dodge each of the shots, which is how we learn that he has this superhuman athletic agility. Frank takes the one journal and he escapes by crashing through the window. He jumps out this fifth floor window, crashes through the glass and he's hanging from a hanging from a clothesline. Monstat sends Arnie down to the street because he figures here's here's this dude hanging from a clothesline. He's got nowhere to go. I'm going to I'm going to shoot him and kill him. And he tells Arnie, when he falls to the street dead, get the journal. Because apparently they need all the journals. If one journal is missing, then none of it's going to make sense, apparently. Whatever it is that Boyford has in his journals, you have to have the complete collection to make sense of it all. Well, as Monstat starts shooting at him, Frank, let's go to the clothesline. And he leaps onto a, a light pole, and from there jumps over to the top of a city bus. Now, in the meantime, a taxi cab pulls up. Joe is in the taxi cab, and she's there on purpose. She's telling the driver, "There he is! There he is! Stop!" So we're we're left with the sense that Joe—I don't know—maybe she saw Frank spying on her. We don't quite know yet why why she's there. Frank doesn't see her. He tosses the journal into the sto- into a storm drain, thinking, "All right, that's it." It's, it's now soaked, it's underwater, it's destroyed. He, he uh, opens up the skylight on the roof of the bus and he climbs into the bus, climbs into a seat. There's a little boy in the seat in front of him who turns around and he's looking at Frank over the top of the seat. Frank's looking at him and he smiles and the little boy says, you look stupid. So as the bus drives away, Joe is chasing the bus on foot. She's yelling, wait, wait, don't, don't go. I can't remember if she actually uses the name Frank at this point, but you're starting to get the sense that Joe knows who Frank is. And she doesn't, she's not able to catch up to the bus. And so she fishes the journal out of the storm drain. And as soon as she does, Arnie is there to take it from her. The bus that Frank is in, we go back to the bus. It's actually heading to Buzztown and Buzztown is where Dr. Flem lives. But halfway there, out in the woods, the bus stops and the driver kicks Frank off because Frank doesn't have a lot of money and the amount of money that he had only got him to that point. And so Frank tries to hitchhike. He has an encounter with a couple of good old boys in a truck. Now, this is a a part in the book where there is a bit of language. It's like the only time in, in the book that I can recall that there's any kind of quote unquote adult language. Because as I said, I feel like this is a all ages book. But as he's hitchhiking and this truck pulls over to pick him up and they see him dressed in this costume, they refer to him in a derogatory term that is used for homosexuals. And he kind of gets it into it with them because they drive away. They leave him there. They drive away. He throws a rock at the truck. It busts out the rear window and they spin back around and come after him and they 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 have a couple of rifles in the truck and anyway he gets away he ends up spending the night in the woods and he wakes up to find a zombie standing over him he wakes up and there's this zombie reaching out its hand to to frank and it's like hiss, and frank's like what and the thing runs away and frank chases it but it, it eventually gets away and he loses the thing and he's out in the woods and there's this kind of a nice little moment. Another one of the reasons, the these these nice little moments in these books, which, as I said, are the reasons why I love this book so much. Just these 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 little these little things where Frank's in the woods and falling from the trees are these helicopter seeds. I'm not sure if you're familiar with these. It's like these seed pods that have almost a wing that comes out of the seed pod. And so as it falls from the tree, it spins kind of like a helicopter. And he sees them falling from the trees and he's like, ooh, helicopter seeds. And he's flo- throwing them up in the air. And he really feels like like a kid. The The, the character feels like very much of, of an innocent, regardless of the fact that earlier in the book, he we find out that he's killed somebody and then he plucks out a guy's eye and eats it. So he ends up, finding a set of railroad tracks and he sees a sign that says buzz town two miles and he follows the tracks into town and he finds a soda machine outside this diner and he buys himself a bottle of soda and he's sitting on this bench outside the diner next to this old man and this old man is kind of giving him crap for his costume you know hey sonny boy why you dressed like that and Frank tells him that he's going to a costume party, and then a guy is coming out. Actually, it's not a diner that he's sitting in front of. It's it's like a, a grocery store. It's like a small small town grocery store. Snap City, where he came from, is the big city. Buzztown is the small the small town. So this guy's coming out of the store with a bag full of stuff, and he starts talking to Frank, and they shake hands. You find out that this guy is his name is. Randolph Thompson, he's the acting mayor of Buzztown because the actual mayor, Mayor Tyler, is out of town. And when Frank shakes his hand, his psychic ability kicks in and he finds out that acting mayor Thompson murdered his wife. They were having an argument. The rage overcame him and he murdered her, wrapped her up in the carpet, took her out up the mountain and threw her into the river. And then furthermore, he learns that acting Mayor Thompson, after this happens, he says to himself basically, ha ha, I will blame this on a drifter. In fact, when Mayor Tyler comes back, I will murder him as well and also blame that on a drifter. And so Frank feels like he needs to do something, but he's not quite sure what he needs to do. He's kind of overwhelmed by this, this rush of information that... Acting Mayor Randolph kind of, Randolph Thompson kind of leaves and Frank's just kind of there, not sure what to do. So he ends up going to a diner to get a bite to eat and he learns, he asks the waitress, he's got the address to Dr. Flem's place, but he's not sure how to find that in town. So he gets directions from the waitress. He goes to Dr. Flem's house, he knocks on the door, and the person that answers the door is wearing like a bathrobe, but they're covered head to toe in bandages. And it's not Doctor Flem, and it's it's a it's a woman. She becomes a, a part of the book as well. We'll learn more about her later. But she tells him that Doctor Flem isn't there; that he is up the mountain at the mine doing an experiment. And Frank's like, "Oh boy, I got to go up the mountain. Can I borrow your car?" And no, I, I'm so we don't have a car because Doctor Flem thinks they're evil. All we have is a battery powered golf cart, and he took that with him. But you can borrow my bike. And he's like, great, I'll, I'll ride your bike up the mountain. And she and she tells him, you should also, I'm going to also let you borrow a jacket because it gets chilly up there. And he, he's given a, a leather jacket. So on the way up the mountain, a police car passes him. And in the back of the car is acting Mayor Thompson and Mayor Tyler wrestling around in the back of the car. Frank knows who Mayor Tyler is because he saw a picture of him in the, in the diner. And so Frank goes after him. He finds them up the mountain. Uh, the, the chief of police or whoever, they don't really give you, they don't tell you what his title is, but he is involved in the scheme. But at the last minute, he changes his mind and he tells Thompson that he can't go through with it. This is more than he signed on for. And so Thompson pulls out a gun and kills him. And Frank is hiding under this picnic table and he's, oh my gosh, why didn't I do something? I just sat here and watched this man die. I I have to do something. I have to stop this. And so he comes out of hiding. Thompson starts shooting at him. Frank dives for cover. Thompson has Tyler tied to a tree and and he realizes at this point that this character, Frank, this freaking weirdo in the costume, this is who he can blame for killing his wife for now killing the chief of police and for killing Mayor Tyler, who he hasn't killed yet. But Frank ends up distracting him by shooting him in the face with his slingshot. And he gets Mayor Tyler free and they they run off. And they're, they're in this, they find this facility by the river. I don't know if it's a dam. They don't, I, I can't quite remember. But at one point, Thompson is chasing them through the bowels of this facility and there's this area where the wall is made of glass. And on the other side of the glass is the river. And Thompson shoots at him. The, the glass shatters. Frank and Tyler get out of there. Uh, but Thompson is is uh, overcome by the water and he drowns. And so that's the, the book ends. The issue ends with um, Frank and Tyler out on the road Frank's still got to go a ways up the mountain to the mine. Tyler's got to go back to town. And he's thanking Frank. And he says, this, this whole experience has given me a new outlook on life. I'm going to spend the rest of my days making things better for everyone else. In fact, the first thing I'm going to do when I get back in town is I'm going to approve that new basketball hoop for the park. And Frank says, dare to dream. And so they part ways. And that's where the issue ends. And this was actually a... these. This first series, while it's only three issues, they are double-sized issues. They're like 48 pages. So it was a pretty packed story. And again, there's just something about this book that appeals to me. There's like almost an innocence and a, uh, it's just fun. It's a, Frank is such a fun, sweet character. The love he has for Joe, which we'll learn more about as the series goes on. It's just all this stuff really pulls me into the book, endears me to Frank, endears me to Joe, all these characters. He has such a great supporting cast, and the art is beautiful. Now, at this point, Allred hasn't quite reached that level where he's at now. He will, by the next series, he, he takes it up another level. And because it's not full color at this point, I'm not sure if uh, Laura Allred, his wife, if she is doing the shades of gray, the, the, the bluish gray, Tones. I don't know if she's doing that on this book, but by the second series, we go full color, and her colors only only add to the pop art style. It's just such bright, vibrant, solid colors that really make the book pop even more. And it they work so well together with his his artwork. It's just it's 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 a great collaboration, and it's one of the other reasons, one of the many reasons that make me love this book so much. There's so much about this book that pulls me in and just makes me want to live in this world. But I can't live in this world because it's a comic book world. And before I let you go, I do want to say that uh, at one point in the 90s, after I Really started getting into Madman. I had gone to a convention in Chicago. So if you're not aware, I live in Kansas. I went to a, a one the big convention that they have every year in Chicago. A, a guy that I worked with at the comic book store. Actually, he didn't work there. He was just a customer. We decided that year to, to drive to Chicago to go to the convention. And while I was there, I found this limited edition ceramic Madman statue. And it's it's really the only one they ever made, and I'm sure you can find pictures of it out there on online. But it's just him posing with holding his his uh, plastic disc gun in the air, and it was just this probably one of my most prized possessions. And then my wife's cat knocked it off of a shelf and broke it after we moved it moved in together, and uh, couldn't fix it. Tried to glue it back together, and it and it wouldn't happen. But I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter at all. So the next episode, we're going to get into Madman issue number two. We're going to learn what the deal was with that zombie that Frank ran into out in the woods. We're going to meet Dr. Flem, And at some point, I don't know if it's in issue two, we're going to learn what's up with the woman who's all wrapped up in the bandages. But until then, my name is Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. Good job! (gasps)